Hi, I'm Pastor Robbie Barrett, and I want to take this time to thank you for taking time out of your busy day to listen to a life-changing word from God. And I pray that as you listen to these podcasts, that it will shape your way of thinking and that you will be walking in the fullness of what God has for you. Hallelujah. I just appreciate God in this place today. If you got your place now, I want you to look this way at me real quick and just put a big smile on your face. Amen. I believe Sam might have it today. I'm not sure. Hallelujah. Somebody say, it feels good to smile. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, in this place for your word. Father, shake this place today with your presence, Lord. Let your anointing flow from person to person to person. Lord, open our eyes today. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that your word pierces through the very heart of who we are. And I thank you, Lord, that you bear everything before you because that's what works out the issues in the things that are in our life. So I thank you for your word today that examines us, it shapes us, it molds us, and it cuts things off of us, Lord, that does not belong in our lives. So we just thank you today for your word. We praise you, Father. And we thank you, Lord, that as always, your word never comes without results. So we thank you for this now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Read this with me. It says, Come unto me, all you that what? Labor. Have you been laboring? And all you that what? Are heavy laden. Are you heavy laden? What happens? And I will give you what? Go to the next one, Dave. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek. And lowly in heart. And you shall find what? For your bodies. For our souls. I believe there's some people in here this morning that maybe you. It might not just be that you need rest in your body. And everybody knows we get get tired sometimes. And sometimes we just want to crash and just lay out and say I got to rest for a minute. But I believe there's some people in here this morning that needs some rest in their soul. You know the soul part of you. You've been here long enough to, for me to teach you that you, the soul part of you is your what? Your mind, your will, your emotions. That, that's where everything goes down. That's, that's where everything is. It, it revolves around. Is in the soul part of you. And sometimes... And Jesus understood that, that sometimes you and I get tired, amen? Sometimes you and I come to the place where our soul gets weary. And he says, I've got a place for you where you can find rest, not just for your body. He said, but I've got a place for you that you can come, that you can get rest for your soul. Now, now, but listen to this. I want to know today, and I told you I was going to be real, I want to know for, for many of you, is this real for you? Go to 1 Peter real quick. It says, casting all your what? Care upon him. For he what? Cares for you. Now we quote both of these scriptures quite often, don't we? You hear it quite often in the church. But what I come to ask you today is this. I come to ask you, is this real to you? You say, what you mean? I'm saying, do you just say the scripture, but you don't live it? You're still carrying the weight. 
you're still carrying the problem. You're still carrying the trouble. You're still carrying all your cares and all your anxiety and all your worry. You're still carrying it. At the same time, you're quoting, oh, cast all your cares upon him. Oh, he cares for me. Oh, come to all of you that's weary and heavy late and I'll give you rest. Oh, I thank God for rest. But at the same time, you're still carrying every weight on you. Is that you in here this morning? Now, my, my next question is this. If that is you, if this scriptures that I wrote, that I read to you, if they're not real, then my next question is this. Why aren't they real to you? Hmm, I never thought about that. Well, let me, let me throw this at you. Maybe it's because we've been taught that we can't be real with people. Come on. We've been taught that we can't be real with people about our issues, about what we struggle with, about the problems, about the process. We can't be real. Why? Because we've been taught that if we were to show people the real us, come on, if we were to show people how we really feel and what we really think and all this other stuff, then they would no longer approve of us. We would no longer be their top pick or we would no longer be their choice. Now you can stay in here and be quiet, but you know that what I'm telling you is the truth. That we don't want to be real with people, amen? Because you know society is teaching you. Politics are teaching you. If you are real, they will crush you. Amen. So we've been taught in life to carry our problems and carry our worry and carry our fears. We've been taught in our lives to carry the weight around because it's better. Even though we might be under pressure, even though we might be in trouble, it is better than being real with people so that we can be not what? ostracized and rejected and, and been, been pushed to the side. Amen? That's, that's, that's our motive. That's what we do. So we go around and quote Matthew and we quote First Peter, but we're, we're quoting it and we're walking around like this. Why? Because we can't be real. We can't be real with nobody. People are tired, they're frustrated, they're angry, they're this, they're that. Why? Because we can't be real with people. People don't want to come to church. And you ask people, you say, uh, why don't you come to church with me? Oh, I would feel like a hypocrite. How many hears that all the time? Oh, I would feel like a hypocrite. I would feel like I'm just faking this thing and blah, 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 blah. But the real meaning is this right here. I'm afraid that I can't be real. Because if I was real, nobody would like me. If I was real, nobody would want me. If I was real, nobody would uh, choose me as their man or woman of God. Is somebody hearing me? So we walk around and we keep everything shut in and we keep everything on lockdown and we just stay bitter, we stay angry, we stay frustrated, and so on and so on. Let the church say amen. So let's be real. Are you ready to be real today? See, I told you before, you hear me say this quite often. Uh, you, you have a pastor. I, I'm not, I'm not going to be fake and phony. You have a pastor that will be real with you. See, we got too, come on. We got too many people being fake. 
You say, what do you mean? We have too many people acting like they don't ever go through anything. They don't ever struggle. They don't ever deal with this and deal with that and battle over here and battle over there. And so people look to these people and say, my God, how can I ever measure up? But can I be real in here this morning? The struggle is real. Somebody give God praise for that. You say, give God praise. Yeah, I say, give God praise. The struggle is real. I told you I was going to be real in here today. The the reality is, is that life is hard. That struggles are real. The reality is, is that sometimes you and I, we get confused. Sometimes you and I, we don't understand why things are happening the way they're happening. Amen. Sometimes we are dealing with stuff. Sometimes you and I, we are struggling with stuff. Instead of coming to a church where we're all supposed to be fake and phony and act like we're not going through anything, we ought to be a church. The Bible says, confess your faults one to another. Come on. Confess your faults one to another. Come to somebody and say, hey, will you pray with me? Will you agree with me? Because I'm struggling right now. I'm hurting right now. I need some encouragement right now. Somebody say real. So it's time that we be real. Amen. Because the reality is to act as if we don't go through anything is not real. Woo, come on. To, to act as if we don't struggle is not real. To act as if we never get tired and, and we never come to the point. You heard, me, you heard me say Thursday night. I said, I got to tell y'all something. Sometimes I feel like quitting. That's real. But if I was to stand up here today and I had a big smile on my face and, and if I was just standing up here and just say, hey, praise the Lord, I just want to thank God that I never go through anything. That I'm not like y'all, I, I don't struggle, I don't do this, I don't do that. I, I, I've got no problems in life. You know I would be fake. Can, can I let you in on something? That's what the world's criticizing. The world's criticizing a bunch of fake people. When the, when the reality is, is that that is not reality. The reality is, is that sometimes... We come in here not with a praise, but sometimes we come in here and we just said, I barely made it here. Come on. Sometimes we come in here and with this attitude, listen, I don't feel like praising. I'd rather just go to the altar right now and just shed some few tears. Is that okay? See, that's being real. And see, but we've been taught that we can't be real. We've been taught that every time we come to the church, we better have a smile on our face. We better have everything got together. We, we better not be arguing on the way here. Come on. We have everything together and have everything laid out. And we better come into the house with a praise and a shout and a hallelujah. But sometimes, guess what? That's not real. Come on. Sometimes that's not real. And you, I'll be the first to tell you that if you hear anybody telling you they don't ever go through anything, they don't ever deal with anything, oh, everything's just so bright and so good in their life, I'm going to tell you right now, you need to avoid those people. Yeah, you heard me say it. You need to avoid those people. Because let me tell you why. Because they're fake. And they're phony. Look at some of y'all. Oh, I'm glad I came this morning. <laughs> Hebrews 14, 15. Let's read this. It says, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our what? Infirmities. Somebody say our weaknesses. But was in all points. 
What does that mean? That means that in every way he was tempted as you and I. Is that what that says? Like as we were, yet without what? Sin. Go to the next one, Dave. For in that he himself have suffered being tempted. I'm so glad it said that. It didn't say that Jesus resisted temptation with a smile and with a shout and with a hallelujah. No, it said he suffered. Somebody say he suffered. How many knows that it's real to suffer in temptation? Aren't y'all glad I'm real? It, it's a reality to suffer in temptation. If it was not a suffer, if it was not a reality, then guess what? It would not be called temptation. But he suffered being tempted. He was able to secure them that are tempted. In other words, because Jesus struggled with temptation. Yeah, you're not going to hear people preach that. But I'm going to preach the truth to you, and I'm going to preach reality to you. And the reality is, is that temptation is a struggle. The reality is, is that when the enemy is hitting you, it is not always easy. Somebody say amen. So let's be real in here this morning. Because another reason a lot of people don't want to come to church is because they deal with temptation and the church has taught them that if you're saved, if you're blood-bought, if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, then you shouldn't be tempted by anything and you shouldn't be suffering anything and you shouldn't have to be dealing with anything. But let me tell you something in here this morning. That's not real. Give God some praise. And Dave, if you would, cut that heat down for me, brother. Praise the Lord. I won't move while you got the camera going. Praise God. That's not real. Why? Because Not because I said so, but because the Bible just lets you know. The Bible lets you know that even Jesus suffered during temptation. Mm. So let's look at Jesus. He's our example, right? He's our foundation, right? And so to lay the foundation, we have to see Jesus' reality. How many wants to see Jesus' reality? Let me show you His reality. See, when we read these verses here, we like to change the meaning of the word tempted. When we read and we talk about Jesus being tempted, we think of it as a different temptation as you and I. But the Bible says that he was tempted in all points as you and I. See, we don't have a high priest right now in heaven that was not tempted with things that were different from us. We have a high priest right now that knows the struggle. He knows the reality that sometimes we're tired, sometimes we're broken, sometimes we're, we're frustrated and we're angry and we're bitter, and sometimes we want to quit. He understands those temptations. He also understands the temptations of the flesh. Come on. He understands those temptations. Why? Because he himself had to go through it. Why we praise him today, why we honor him today, is that even though he was tempted. You know what the word tempted means? Let me show you. Tempted is not something hits you and it don't bother you. Let me let you in on something. If you come around me with a cigarette, I will not be tempted I'm giving you an example. I will not be tempted. Why? Because I've never smoked. Amen? But if you smoke, if somebody comes around and you say, Hey, man, give me, give me a smoke. Right? 
Now, if you come around me with a stuffed crust, that's a whole different ballgame. I'm being real with you. That's a whole different ballgame. The point is this. Temptation is not something that doesn't bother you. So don't get this image that Jesus went around and said, Oh, that doesn't affect me. Oh, that doesn't bother me. Oh, that doesn't bring me down. No, no, no. When the Bible says he was tempted, how many knows he was fully God, but he was fully man? See, he had the blood, a heavenly blood in him, but yet he had an Adam-like flesh. He that knew no sin, what? Became sin. So watch. So when he was tempted, he was tempted just like you and I. His flesh, can I let y'all, y'all ain't going to like this. Can I let y'all in on this? His flesh wanted it. Somebody say, Lord, that's real. I've never heard something like that. Yes, you heard me say it. Jesus' flesh wanted it. But you know what he did? He said, I want to be better than this. Come on, give him praise. I want to be better than this. I want to be holy. I want to be righteous. I want to be redeemed. And you see, watch this. It's the same thing with you and I. We deal with the same temptations that Jesus had to deal with. The fact and the reality is our flesh wants what it wants. So when you come in here with your cute self and act like you don't struggle and act like you don't ever ever want this or want that, you are a liar. And I'm going to tell you this. Listen, to be tempted means that you, a part of you wants it. Does that mean you have to give in to it? The answer is this. No. Why? Because now we have His Spirit reigning on the inside of us. The same way that Jesus said, I'm better than this. I want to be holy. I want to be righteous. I want to obey my Father. I want to do what's pleasing to Him. Now you and I can do the same thing. And that's being real. Yes, there's a part of me that wants to sin. But there's a bigger part of me that says, I want to live holy. I want to live righteous. I want to live redeemed. Somebody give him some praise in here. That's the difference. That's not me coming up here and saying to you, I never struggle. I never do this. I never. No, that's me saying the reality is my flesh longs for things of sin. Why? Because my flesh is not saved yet. Your flesh is not saved yet. Your flesh will not be good until you get a glorified body. Your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions are in the process of being saved. How many knows you're you're trying to think right? Come on. You're trying to do right. You're trying to talk right. That's the soul part of you. And your spirit man, somebody say the real me. Your spirit man is saved. He's as saved as he's going to get. Somebody say that's real. (laughs) So watch. So we do this with people. I said that we be fake with people because the reality is that people will crucify us. They'll judge us. They'll shame us. They'll do all these different things. So we walk around with a facade on. We walk around with a smile and and a fake laugh and this and that. That's not the issue. Can I tell you what the real issue is? The real issue is is that we've carried that 
over into our relationship with God. You say, did you just go there? Yeah, I just went there. I'm telling you that that same phoniness and fake that we put on for so many people, we've carried that over into our relationship with God. And we think that we can't be real with God. We... Come on. We think that if we fall, he's done with us. We think that if we mess up, he's done. He, he, we're no longer his pick. We're no longer his, his uh, qualified, if you want to say so. So we walk around with a fake praise and a fake uh, prayer and a fake this and a fake that. Why? Because we think if we were ever real with God. See, we think that we can't come to God and say, God, sometimes I'm struggling. Sometimes I don't feel worthy. Sometimes I feel like I'm not qualified. I'm not your man. I'm not your woman. Sometimes I don't feel safe. Sometimes I feel like I'm not going to make it out of this. Come on, somebody. Sometimes I just need a touch from you. And the problem is we think that we can't be that way with God because we think that God is like people. But can I tell you something here this morning? God is not like people. I've been sent by the Lord to tell you that God is not like people. He does not see you like people see you. People only see you for your failures. God sees you for your future. Come on, somebody. God does not just see you for your mess, but he sees you for your opportunity. I'm reminded of when Samuel went to anoint one of the sons of Jesse to be king. You see in the passage that Samuel looked for everything that was a qualification of a king based through man's eyes. He said, oh, this one looks like a king. This one sounds like a king. Oh, this one dresses like a king. But God said to him, none of these are my chosen. See, you got to look at that. God does not look at you like people look at you. And right there is where you need to give God some praise that he does not see you as man sees you because man will write you off tomorrow. They'll celebrate you today and write you off tomorrow. But he said to Samuel, he said, you are looking through man's perception. He said, God does not look this way. He said, but I look upon the heart of man. So the one that didn't look like a king, didn't sound like a king, didn't dress like a king, God said, that's the man that I'm looking for. Can somebody give God some praise this morning that God sees the real you? He sees the real you. So you and I, we've got to stop carrying this over into our relationship with God. We've We've got to stop being fake and phony with God. I've got a passage here that I'm going to read you a story in 1 Kings that's really going to help some of you. 1 Kings chapter 19. I'm going to read it and then I'm going to break it down. It said, this is talking about Elijah. How many remembers the prophet Elijah? How many remembers him as a great man of God? If you hear most people, he's, oh yeah, that's the one that called fire down from heaven. Oh, that's the one that was fed by the ravens. Oh, that's the one that raised up the widow's son. But see, what you don't hear people talk about is that's the one that went in a cave and wanted to quit and die. See, that's what you don't hear. But today we're going to hear that side of him. Verse uh, 9, it says, And he came here unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. 
And he said unto him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And when he said, and then he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They've thrown down your altars. They've slain your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And he said unto him, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind rent the mountains. And it broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in a fire. After the fire, a still, small voice. Now, so I want you to see this right here. He was a man that was known for his power. This was a man that was known from hearing the voice of God. Praise the Lord. If you wanted to hear a word from God, you needed to go to this man right here, right? Because he was connected to God. He was God's man of power. If he prayed for it to rain, it would rain. If he prayed for it not to rain, you better be ready for a drought. But what you don't see right here is that we find himself mourning. We find himself coming to a place where he wanted to quit and say, I'm done with this and I'm just going to die here alone in this cave. How can, you, how can you be God's man of power over here, but yet God's man of brokenness and disappointment and this over here? See, see, people would tell us that you can't be both of those. Oh, my God. People will tell you that you can't be God's man and then God's brokenness at the same time. People will tell you that you can't be uh, God's chosen and then God's reject over here. See, that's what they want to tell you. But as we see in this story, we see that the same man that was God's chosen, his man, the people that pe uh, the people celebrated was also the one that said, I'm tired. I'm, I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of pushing. I'm tired of driving. I, I, I'm just done with this whole thing. Has anybody ever been there? Have you ever shouted at church and cried at home? Mm. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, this is real. Have you ever preached the message and went home and just said, what is the use? Y'all ain't never done that? Let me go on. But isn't it funny how Elijah thought to himself, he said, I'm going to come to this cave. I'm just going to die here alone. I'm going to get away from everybody, including God. Isn't it funny that God finds you in your lowest point? <laughs> come on. Isn't it funny that God always finds you? When you think you can get away and just separate yourself and say, I'm done with this and I'm tired of this and no more of this and that, that God finds you and says, what are you doing here? Come on. You ever notice that when, when God talks, he don't say, oh, poor baby, I, I know. No, he don't do that. We wished he would. Come on. 
We wish God would just love on us and pat on us and just say, well, it's all right. You have a right to do this. You have a right to feel angry and bitter and, and frustrated and all this different stuff. But this is what God said to him. He said, Elijah, what are you doing here? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Maybe you're asking yourself this question right now in your life. What am I doing here? In other words, how did I get to this place? How did I come from a place of, of fame and, and power and glory? How did I come to a place where I was in the the presence of God I was happy I had joy I had peace and now I'm at a place where I'm broken I'm lost I feel like I've got nothing left I feel like I'm struggling time and time again how did I get here has anybody ever done that if you did just give God a testimony right now and say yeah I've been there I've been there I've asked myself the same question how did I get here because by now I thought I would have been somewhere else. Oh, come on. By now I thought I would have been further ahead. By now I thought that I, my life would be better than this. But here I am in a cave. Why is he in a cave? Let me let you in on it. He's in a cave because he feels like he cannot be real with people. He feels that it's better off to be in a cave all alone, dying all by himself, than to confront and be real with the people that believed in him, to be real with God that had chosen him. And so for many of us, that's what you and I do. Don't get a judgmental side when it comes to Elijah because many of us do the same exact thing. When we go through problems and messes and trials in our life, and for most of us it's when we didn't expect it to come, when we didn't expect it to hit, that's when we get depressed and, di and discouraged, and this is what we want to do. We want to run away from everybody, including God. Why? Because we feel and we've been taught that we can never be real. Not even with God. We can't be real. I'm God's chosen. I'm God's anointed. I'm God's prophet. I can't be running away from Jezebel. I can't be running away from my pride. I can't be running away from this. So you know what? You know what Elijah thought? He thought to himself, God's done with me now. I've struggled, I fell on my face, I, I've messed up, God's done with me. How many has ever had that, has ever had that attitude that if I was to be real with God, He would be done with me? If I was to come to God and say, God, I just don't feel like praising you right now, He would say, well, I knew you didn't have it in you, go on somewhere else. Come on. Because we think God is like people. And Elijah thought that God was like people. But God said to him, watch this. He said to him, he said, I want you to look. Go to uh, verse 11. It says, and he said, go forth and stand and, and, and on the mountain of the Lord. And the Lord passed by with a great wind, but he wasn't in the wind. He passed by with an earthquake. And he wasn't in the earthquake. And in verse 12 it says he passed by in a fire, but he wasn't in the fire. See, some of us, we think that God is going to do it one way, but what happens when he doesn't do it the way you thought he was going to do it? Oh, what happens when God doesn't do it the way he thought? Let me tell you what happens. Disappointment comes. 
failures come. Why? Because we just knew that God was going to do it one. We just knew that God was going to be in the wind. Oh, yeah, he's going to blow things. He's going to bring in something great. But it didn't happen that way. Or maybe some of us, we thought, man, God's just going to shake it up. He's going to send an earthquake. He's going to shake my mess up. He's going to shake my problems up. He's going to deliver me out. But he wasn't in that. For many of us, maybe you thought it was a fire. Oh, yeah, God's going to set stuff on fire. He's going to set me on fire. He's going to shake me loose. He's going to get me up out of this. He's going to get me out of my pain and dysfunction. And he didn't. But the Bible says he was in a still, small voice. Can I tell you something? The earthquake wasn't real. The wind wasn't real. The fire wasn't real. But you know what was real? That still small voice. And see, when you're down in your brokenness, when you're down in your little cave, and you feel like giving up and you feel like quitting, what you need at that time, you don't need an earthquake. You don't need a windstorm. You don't need a fire. You know what you need? You need a word from God to say, God, I'm the God to say, I'm still with you. Come on. I'm still here. I'm still with you. I'm still going to do everything that I told you that I was going to do. That still small voice. That still small voice. In verse 11 and 12, see God, see, watch this. God showed him something that he could understand. See, Elijah could understand a windstorm that was breaking off rocks. He could understand an earthquake that was shaking everything. He could understand the fire that was coming out. You, know you want to know why? Because that's the side of God that he understood. Where you and I get discouraged is when we see a side of God that we have not seen before. Woo! Somebody say, preach it, I will. When we see a side of God that we don't understand, we get discouraged and say, God, what are you doing? I don't understand what's going on in my life. But God showed him a side to show him something. And this is going to hit home, and I want you to get this. See, Elijah had lost his meaning while doing his purpose. Now, some of you are looking at me saying, well, well uh, uh, brother, aren't those the same thing? Is it meaning and purpose the same thing? See, many people think that to have purpose is to have meaning, and to have meaning is, is to have purpose, and everything's the same. But, but if those of you that's went through life long enough, and you went through enough stuff long enough, you see and you realize that meaning and purpose are not the same. Sometimes, listen, they are quite different. And see, Elijah was so focused and so determined on doing the purpose of God. I got to prophesy. I got to call fire down. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got I to get this king in order. And I got to get that king in order. And, and I've got to be a leader to everybody. And I've, and I've got to stand strong. And I can't show weakness. And I can't do it. Why? Because it's my purpose to be God's prophet. Are y'all getting this? See, I, I, I know that. Later on, I know it's a calling of mine. It's a purpose that God has placed in me to help and encourage other leaders in the church. 
Other people that's in leadership in the church. Why? Because if those of you that's in leadership, those of you that's in worship or prayer or, or, or anything else in the church, you realize that you don't get to go through things like other people go through it. That even though while you're going through things and while you're going through trials, you still got to do what you've been called to do. Amen. You still got to preach. You still got to sing. You still got to prophesy. You still got to lay hands on somebody and break the enemy off of them, whether you're broken or whether you're whole. And the problem is, is that we get so focused on purpose that we forget our meaning. The meaning, watch this. I need you to write this down. Listen. Purpose is what to do. Write that down. Purpose is what to do. But meaning is why you do it. See, for most of us, if you, if you got that attitude, I'm going to serve God. I, I, I'm going to do everything I can for God. You, you've got the purpose down, Pat. I'm going to help you today. You've got the purpose down. But I guarantee you, you probably lack in meaning. And see, see, you've got this attitude. Watch this. I guarantee you, if you're lacking on meaning, you've got this attitude that if you mess up, you think your whole world's over, that you're not worthy, you're not qualified, you're not this, you're not that. Why? Because you messed up on doing your purpose. See, many, many people don't feel worthy unless they're doing something on purpose. But see, there's this thing we leave, that we leave out. It's called meaning. See, it's my purpose to preach the gospel. It's my purpose to break the enemy's hold off of people. It's my purpose to show people the reality of God. But that is not my meaning. What is my meaning? The meaning is, is that Christ came and died for me so that I could have a relationship and fellowship with my father that Adam lost from me. That is my meaning, church. Above my calling, above my office, above my leadership, whatever it is, but above my title, I am a man that desires to worship and praise the living God who has made me whole and he's made me complete. Somebody give him some praise in here. That is meaning. You've heard me say before, don't get so consumed with doing the things of God that you forget the God of the things. See, Elijah's, Elijah's relationship with God was common or less than average. Even though his purpose was flawless. Ooh, Lord. Is this too deep this morning? So watch this. So I'm telling you this. Many of you, you got the attitude, oh, I'm going to do everything I can for God. I'm, I'm going to serve. I'm going to sing. I'm going to dance. I'm going to preach. I'm going to shout. I'm going to pray for this and pray for that. I'm going to do everything. I'm going to clean the church. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But then, other, but then you've got this other side. You don't know God. So therefore, you can't be real with it. Why could Elijah not be real? How can he hear the voice of God but not be real with the voice of God? Let me tell you why. Because he had purpose without meaning. And guess what? His purpose was not to run from Jezebel. How many would agree? His purpose was not to run from the woman of the devil. 
His purpose was to stand strong, to prophesy the word of the Lord, and to show forth signs confirming the word of God. But he didn't do that. And the moment he didn't do what it was purposed of him, he thought he had no meaning. But can I tell you something in here? That God loves you whether you, you're dotting every I and crossing every T or whether you're not. Can I tell you this morning that God loves you whether you feel like you've got an awesome message to preach or whether you feel like I can't preach this morning, I'm going to sit down and let somebody else do it. God loves you. Can somebody give him some praise? Why? Because God not only has a purpose for you, but He has a meaning for you. And it's up to you and I to get both of those. We need to have purpose. We need to do what God has called us to do. We need to be obedient to His voice. We need to be everything He's called us to be. But at the same time, we cannot neglect our relationship with Him. We can't neglect our fellowship with Him. We can't neglect our our one-on-one time with Him. You see, that is just as important as this over here. I've seen many people that were so devoted over here and their personal life fell apart because they neglected this over here. Hmm. See, I know most of it. Can I be real for a minute? I know most of you, you know and realize that I want to be the greatest I can be in ministry. The greatest I can be. But at the same time, do you know one of my concerns is? Can I just be real? Can I be shallow with you? Or just be open? One of my other things that I, that I, I stress over is the fact, will I be a good father? Will I be there for my kids? Will they want to be there for me? You see what I'm saying? There's, there's two sides. There's purpose and there's meaning. My purpose is to be a great man of God. But my meaning is also to show my kids what it is to be a man of God. To show my kids that anytime they're in trouble, I'm there. Are you hearing me? Anytime they feel like they can't go to somebody else, they can come to me. Why? Because we have that relationship. We have that bond. We have that trust. You see that? And that's what God wants for you and I. He wants us yeah, to be everything he's called us to be. But he also wants you to know that anytime you can, you're in trouble, you can come to me. Anytime you're feeling like you can't, that you can't go on and you can't push forward, you can come to me. When you feel like you can't go anywhere else, when you feel like you can't get any help anywhere else, come to me because of the bond and the trust that you and I have built over the years. That's what God wants. And so so he lost his meaning. Go to verse 14. And he said again, I've been very jealous for the Lord God. Because of the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They've thrown down your altars. They've slain your prophets with the sword. And I, even I, only am left. And they seek my life to take it away. Isn't it funny how we always feel like nobody else is going through what we're going through? That's just something you and I go through. 
We feel like we are the Lone Ranger. We feel like nobody else knows. They don't understand. They, can't, they couldn't possibly fathom what we are going through. When we got, we got to look at a bigger picture and realize that there are 7,000 other people that have not bowed their knee unto Baal. You see, we got to realize something that we're not in this alone. That's why I thank God for church. Yes, you hear me say this all the time, and I'll say it again. I thank God for church because you know what it is? It's a group of people coming together saying, you're not alone. Come on. You're not alone. And we're going to get through this. We're going to be everything God's called us to be. But watch what he do. You see what do you see what Elijah's doing though? I want you to see this. When he first got into the cave, he had made up his mind, I'm going to die here alone by myself. I'm not going to be real. But by the end of the conversation he has with God, what's he doing? He's being real. He said, "Here, you want the truth?" I'm jealous over you. I'm doing all these things, and it looks like it's not paying off. How many has ever been there? Oh, I'm being faithful. I'm going to church. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And it seems like everything I do, it doesn't count for anything. It doesn't matter. I don't go through. I, I, it doesn't get any better. And he's over here, and he's being real with God. He was saying to God, I feel alone. I feel like I'm all by myself. I feel like there's nobody else in my life that understands me. And guess what happened? Are y'all ready? God was still there. Give him some praise this morning. God was still there. He didn't say, oh, I thought you was my prophet. And here you are whining, complaining. Go on somewhere. He didn't say, oh, well, I'm done with you now because you cried and complained and, and you didn't praise me and you didn't exalt me, so I don't need you anymore. I'm going to find somebody else. No, he didn't say that. But we find out that when finally, finally, Elijah was real, that God was still there. And I'm so thankful this morning that I have a God that was still there when I got real with him. Yeah, yeah, you can look cute back there if you want to, but I'm going to be real. There were times when I went to God, I wasn't praising. I wasn't lifting him up and saying, oh, just thank you, Jesus. But there was many times I was going to him saying, God, I feel like quitting. I feel like giving up. I keep messing up time and time again. How will I ever be who you've called me to be? And God did not shun me. He did not despise me, but he lifted me up. He brought me out of my cave. Come on. He brought me out of my mess. Because what you need to understand in here this morning is that when God chose you, when He decided to bless you, He had done figured out all your faults and failures. <laughs> Some of you, you're still not getting it. He didn't wait till your life was perfect to say, okay, now I'm going to bless you. You're going to have a big business. No, no He didn't do that. But he told you these things when you were still in your bondage, when, he, when you were still messed up, jacked up, frustrated, angry, didn't realize who you were, didn't realize what your identity was. He was promising you things. Why? Because he had done figured out all your faults, all your failures, all your mess-ups, and it was a part of the recipe. Somebody say the recipe. 
<clears throat> See, we have this mental image that our problems and our mess-ups and our struggles are not a part of God's plan. Mm, don't we? See, see, when we think we, our life is good and God says, I'm going to do this and do that, and we're thinking, oh, yeah, that's right, Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. But when we fall and mess up and God says, I, I still, I, I, I'm not done with you yet. That's when we think, well, how can you not be done? Because I didn't plan on messing up. I didn't plan on this trial coming in my life. I didn't plan on this storm beating me down like this. I didn't plan on this. But yet God said, I already planned on it. I have a recipe to, that I have made for your life to bring forth your purpose and your destiny. And whatever I put in it, just know it's a part of the recipe. Whether you feel like giving up or whether you feel like you're on top of the mountain, realize that if you're trusting in me, it's a part of the recipe that I'm going to turn everything to your good. Why? Because you love me and you're called what? According to my purpose. That's what we've got to realize. Elijah wasn't figuring this in when God says, you are my prophet. <laughs> but God had figured it in. Somebody say, that's real. It's the same thing. Watch this. You hear me say this all the time because it's such an easy thing to understand. But just bear with me. It's the same thing that we do with our own children. We realize that they are not going to be perfect. Come on. We realize that sometimes they need that tail beat. Did he say that? Yeah. We realize that sometimes they're going to need correcting. Oh, Mary. We realize that, don't we? But we realize it's all part of the plan. Oh, come on. It's all part of the plan. We've done spoke over their life. We believe what God has said about them. We've done spoke over it. We're believing for them. But we realize that the good and the bad mixed together with the recipe to bring forth everything that God had said in their life. And that when the, when the bad happens, when the struggles happen, you don't look at them with rejection. You don't look at them and say, I no longer love you. You don't look at them and say, you're no longer my kid. Come on. You might do that with somebody else's kid, but you ain't doing that with your own kid, right? But you know. What do you know? I'm going to show you here. <clears throat> See, Elijah knew the power side. That day he found out something. He knew the power side of God. He knew the providing side of God. But he, he found out that he did not know the real side of God. The side of God that you can be real with. 
the side of God that understands that your struggles are real, your pain is real, and you need somebody to deliver you. He never understood that side. And some of you this morning, you're finding out for the first time that you can be real with God. I know that for most of you, you've been taught all your life. Don't ever come to God without a praise, without a thanksgiving, without a this or that. But sometimes you're going to come to God with tears and nothing to say. I got no words to put together. But God is saying, come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will cast all your cares on me, for I care for you. I care for you. And Jesus found that out. Go to Hebrews 5, 7, if I've got it on there. Listen, it says, and who in the days of his flesh, was that not what I dealt with earlier? His flesh, that was just like our flesh. When he had offered up prayers and supplications with what? Strong crying and tears. It didn't say he offered them up with praise and a smile and a dance. No, it said he offered them up with strong crying. You ever strong cried? You ever had tears running down your face? You ever, had, you ever been at a point where you, couldn't have, you didn't even have words, you just had moaning? Come on. Unto him that was able to what? Save him from death. And was what? And was what? And was what? He wasn't shunned. He wasn't rejected. He was what? He was heard. And I'm telling you this morning that the same God that he cried out to the same father is your father today. The same, listen, the same way that he cried out, the same way that he was real with his father and said, I don't want to go through this. I don't want to go on the cross. I know a lot of times we preach as if the cross was nothing for him to go through. But the Bible says he despised the shame of the cross. He despised what was ahead of him. He, he didn't want to go through it. And let me let you in on something. You wouldn't want to go through it either. But he said, nevertheless, your will be done. I got to be real with you, Lord. I'm still going to serve you. I'm still going to be faithful to you. I'm still going to do what you told me. But I got to be real with you right now. I don't understand why I got to go through this. I got to be real with you now. I, I just, I feel like giving up. I feel like just calling this quits. I don't want to have to deal with this. I don't want to have to deal with the pain and the shame and the struggle. Oh, y'all don't talk like that to God? See, your problem is you don't have a relationship. The Bible says what? We are a friend of God. When we have the faith of Abraham, when we believe as Abraham believes, the Bible says that Abraham was a friend of God. Do you know there were some times that Abraham talked to God, not as God, but a friend. And there are sometimes, I got to be real with you, sometimes I talk to God, not as God, but as a friend. And say, God, you got to tell me, you got to let me know what's going on. I don't understand this. I'm tired. I'm frustrated. I'm still going to serve you. It's the same thing that Jesus prayed. He said, he said I don't want to go through this, but nevertheless, your will be done. Somebody say, that's relationship. That's being real. Let me tell you something. If you can't be real with the person you're in a relationship with, you're not in a relationship. Come on, give God some praise. It's the same thing with your relationship with God. If you can't be real with Him, what do you have? Mm. 
Don't you thank God for friends? See, friends are different. Let me tell you why. Because friends will be there for you, but they'll set you straight in a minute. That's what friends do. And that's the kind of relationship that you can have with God. There's times, you, listen, there's times you come, oh, I just thank you, Jesus, praise the Lord, hallelujah. Then there's other times, God, you got to tell me what is going on because I'm about to flip out. Look at some of you. I feel so liberated right now. I feel so liberated. I thought I just had to put on a fake smile and a fake dance and a fake shout. No. God understands. Mm. Let's go to the next one. You're going to love this one. Psalms 142 too. It says, this is what David said. He said, I poured out my what? Not my thanksgiving. Don't you ever go to God and complain. Don't you ever. Well, hold on a minute. Is it the fact that he doesn't like complaining? Or is it the fact that you go to everybody else and complain instead of coming to him? Mary, you want to help me walk this out this morning? I poured out my complaint before him. God, I don't understand. God, why am I still struggling? And I showed before him my trouble. How many of you have ever said that? God, don't you understand what's going on? Don't you know what I'm dealing with? Don't you know how bad it is? Don't you know how I'm, I'm barely making it? I'm about to lose my mind. Don't you know? Mm. Somebody say, this is good. Exodus 3, 6. I got to show you something with this. It says, moreover, God said to him, he said, I am the God of the, thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of what? Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon him. Now, what I didn't tell you in this passage is that Moses, he said, who do I say sent me? In other words, how can I be sure that I could do this? You want me to go to the strongest nation of the world and say, let my people go with a staff. How many knows God will make it look like you don't have enough? He said, how do I do this? Do you ever ask that? How do I know that... I am who you say I am. How do I know that I'm enough? How do I know that, that, uh, that, that I've got what it takes? And God said, I'm the God of Abraham. I'm the God of Isaac. And I'm the God of Israel. No, he didn't say that. He said Jacob. If you know anything about Jacob, you'll, you'll realize and you'll find out that Jacob was a mess. You'll realize that Jacob, his name means he deceives. You'll realize that he, he was like a con artist. He was a, he was a liar. He was a, he, he'd snatch your birthright in a second. He'd take whatever he wanted, however he could get it. He had a lot of falls. He had a lot of failures in his life. And God says, I love what he says though, years later, even after Jacob's name was changed to Israel, 
when he made that covenant with God. I love what he said. He said, I'm the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. That means that God is the God of my, my future, but he's also the God of my failures. He's the God of my mess, but he's also the God of my triumph. He's the God of my brokenness, but yet he's also the God of my breakthrough. I love it. I love what he told Peter. He said, you're going to mess up. No, 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 Jesus. Uh-uh. I'm your man. Even if I got to go to prison with you, I'm going to go. He said, Peter, you're going to let me down. And guess what happened? How many has ever said, God, I'm not going to do this again? How many has ever said, God, I'm not going to mess up? I'm not going to fail you. But did Peter really fail him? See, you got to watch this. But I love that when Jesus was resurrected, do you know what he said? One of the first things he said, he said, go tell Peter. If that don't make you shout right there, I don't know what will. When God has sent out and designed to do something in your life, He's not going to let these little mess-ups and hiccups in your life stop the plan that He has for you. When God is invested in you, He is not going to quit on you. Somebody better give God some praise. Did Peter really fail? No. You want to know why? Because he refused to stay down. That's the difference. Am I telling you in here today that you can do whatever you want and God's plan is going to come for it? No. But I'm telling you today, the only time you ever fail is when you refuse to get back up. When you refuse to dust yourself off and say, let's go again, this time's going to be different. That's when you fail. Mm. I poured out my, plaint, my complaints before God. Psalms 142.2. Come on, somebody ain't play. I want you to see that again. I poured out my complaints before him. Now you can read through the Psalms. You read that a lot of the Psalms, they were not praises. Let that shock you. They were not, oh, praise the Lord. I just want to thank you that my life's falling apart. No. You'll read that some of them were saying, God, arise up, do something. Avenge me. Subdue my enemies. But yet they're recorded in the Bible. You know what that tells me? That tells me that God wants me and you to be real. He wants you and me. Listen, don't complain to everybody. If you got a complaint, you go to God. That's the problem. Oh, God doesn't want to hear my complaint. Yes, He does. But He doesn't want you to send them to everybody else. Because let me tell you something. Your complaint about God or about your situation, it could be the final straw for somebody that's barely making it. Don't do that. While it's true in here this morning, listen, it's true. You can't be real with people. They'll crucify you. 
But what I'm telling you this morning is that you can be real with God. You can be real with God. That God takes the good, He takes the bad, and He even takes the ugly. The same thing you do with your kids. You take the good, the bad, and the ugly. But they're still your kids. Let's come to the front this morning. Come on.